Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. With all this said, we're, we're going to finish today with the last week of the series that we started in the beginning of September, all right? So if you're a guest today, for whatever reason, one, I want you to know we're glad you're here, and two, there is a place for you at One Hope if you are looking for a church. But we've been walking through a series that's simply titled The God Of, and what we've been doing is looking at how God has moved in the lives of people through the Old Testament— and then we flipped in October and we went to see how Jesus worked in people's lives in the New Testament and the picture, the imagery, the, the kind of the titles for each message. The scenes we've been looking at have been mountains, valleys, sticks, and stones. And without the message, it may not even make sense, so you can go back and listen to any of those. But today we have our last one, which is a stones moment with Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, your phones, we're going to go to the very last verse of John chapter 7, but then we're going to go John 8, 1 through 11, a pretty famous moment in Jesus' life. Pretty famous moment. As you're going there in your Bibles, I want to remind you, today we're having communion. If you missed that on the way in or you're watching online, um, you can prepare for that at the end of service. But if you're here, every one of the doors, there is communion. And don't worry, you can get up and get that at any time. You won't distract me, but you um, can get that and be prepared for today. But let me read John chapter 7, verse 53, and then it's going to go right into chapter 8, okay? It says, Then... They all went home. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a bias for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be first to throw the stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard, uh, at, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Okay, this is, a, as I said, like a famous story in Jesus' life, right? Like this is one that maybe you've heard at some point in, in your life. Well, what we're going to do is hopefully we, we try to do every single week. We're going to dig into the story first, see what we can get from the writers that, that wrote this, and then we're going to say, okay, what does this mean for me today? Now, to understand this moment, to understand that this is not a random moment in Jesus' life, one of the things that we have to be aware of, that we have to see, is this encounter comes directly on the heels of something big that's happening in Jerusalem. 
Right before this moment, in Jerusalem, there's something called the Feast of Tabernacles, or it's called Sukkot, S-U-K-K-O-T, Sukkot. This happens once a year, and many, many people travel to Jerusalem to celebrate it. In case you don't know this, or something I think we should grow into understanding that these feasts are a big deal in Jesus' life. Actually, on this trip to Guatemala next Saturday, I'm bringing two books with me. And both books are about learning about the probably seven main feasts that happen because I think there's a chance that maybe this should be a series in the future because Jesus would have been part of all of these feasts. Now, this particular feast was um, a celebration, a, a remembering of the provision that God gave the Israelites when they were in their wandering years of the Old Testament. We, we touched that September, about the 40 years they wandered. They're celebrating the wandering, the provision during the wandering years, and the provision of the Savior, the Messiah, that's going to come to them. And so we see in John chapter 7, there's this festival and Jesus is at the temple teaching like he always does, and the Pharisees get very upset at him. The Pharisees, the keepers of the law. And the reason they're upset, if you look at the moment before the moment today, is because people are starting to talk. They're starting to be like, wait, is this the Messiah? Oh, why aren't they arresting him yet? Is this, is this the one that's actually come? And this just infuriates the Pharisees. So what they actually do is they go get the temple guards and they're like, hey, you need to arrest this man. The problem is the temple guards don't really find a reason to arrest Jesus, which only winds the Pharisees up even more because they're like, oh, is he deceiving you too? This is what's happened right before our reading today. That has happened, and now Jesus is back again in the temple grounds, and he's teaching these people. And these men, or, yeah, these men, they bring this woman in front of them, and they tell him, he has broken the law. But there's a problem with this moment. Actually, a couple problems. There's a couple problems, and what they brought is, yes, this woman, it seems like they're right. He, they, she had committed adultery, and there is a punishment to adultery. Reread this in Leviticus chapter 20. Like, they're not wrong. It says, if, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. Like, if the Pharisees were going to rank... Like, which sins were the most, like, like important or brutal? Like, like, what are the most offensive? They'd probably say this woman has committed one of the top three sins. Murder, idolatry, and adultery. Like, scriptures talk about them all the time. But the problem is, do you see what was written in Leviticus? The law would say that if adultery is committed, who are you supposed to bring? The woman and the man. There's someone missing in this story. 
Right? Someone is not there. The man is not there. That is an issue. Now, secondly, this punishment for stoning was a real thing, but there is no record for for forever before this story where actually that stoning had happened. But all of a sudden, it was super important to the Pharisees, we need to obey this part of the law. All of a sudden, it was like super, super important, except we know that it wasn't. Because John tells us there's something else going on. It's a setup. There's a plan. There's something that's gone on behind the scenes. It was a trap, and now the trap is set. So let's talk about the setup. Let's talk about the trap real quick. Why is this moment a moment where Jesus is on shaky ground? Well, first, if he says, no, don't stone her, then all those people that have been listening to him speak, all those Jewish people who are maybe like, is this the Jewish Messiah? Is this the one that's come? If he says, no, don't stone, what are they going to do? They're going to say, okay, this guy doesn't care about God's law, this God's word, so he can't be the Messiah. Then they'll stop listening to him. But if he does say stone her, then he's got two problems. The first is they've been sitting and listening, and they've kind of become endeared to him. They're kind of like taking in what he's saying, all of a sudden he's not filled with compassion, he's not filled with love, and the endearment that he's had, gone. And maybe they don't listen to him anymore. The second thing is if he says, yes, stone him, he now has a problem with Rome because he didn't have authority to stone this woman. It would only have been a judge or a higher-ranking person. So now, all of a sudden, maybe these guards who didn't arrest him all of a sudden would have a reason to stop, a reason to arrest him. And so Jesus is in the middle of this trap. So how I like to picture this scene is Jesus kind of calmly takes a breath. And he leans down, and he just begins to write in the dust, in the ground. When he, they're doing that, they continue to push him. They're like, give us an answer, give us an answer, like they think they have it set. And Jesus is, is one way or another, is gonna, it's going to stop being looked at as he's the coming Messiah. They're going to stop the teachings that have gone on. So like, give us an answer, and this is the moment he looks up. And he says those famous words, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And in a shocking twist, just when it's like that movie where you're like, the hero's about to be taken out. But then in a shocking twist, those Pharisees, those religious leaders, one by one, it says, they begin to walk away. Now, when I read this, I don't know if you're like me, but another verse pops in my head where Jesus kind of tackles this idea of what they did. 
Jesus kind of touches on this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. See if you remember this. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's this plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is who Jesus is. We have at least twice now. He's talking culture reminding people okay if you don't have a sin fine call out other people you don't have a sin point your finger but maybe we should look at ourselves look in the mirror Jesus is calling out hypocrisy Jesus is calling these men out by saying how dare you bring this woman without the man how dare you disobey the law yourself while trying to call somebody out for disobeying the law and this makes sense right like, this makes sense why Jesus would do this. And I think we need to learn this lesson in life. That's an important lesson. But what if there's something else going on as well in this? What if there's another layer to this story? Not just, hey, don't be hypocrites. What if there's something even more? Every time I say talk about this portion of scripture or say it's taught, there's a question that is often asked. Actually, this week, someone who couldn't be here this Sunday asked what I was talking about, and I told, and the first question out of her mouth was, Pastor Scott, what do you think Jesus wrote in the sand? It happens every time. What did Jesus write in the sand? And I'll tell you, we don't know 100% for sure. Like, it doesn't tell us but I do have a belief. I do have something I lean into. And once again, I can't say it's 100% true, but it's what it's a what if situation. Can I present this possibility to you this morning? Understanding that the Pharisees, they are the keeper of the law. Understand that the Pharisees would know scripture better than anybody. They would understand that they are not only sinning by not keeping the law themselves, there's another misstep that happened when Jesus started writing in the sand, and I think they would have been taken back to a verse, their scripture in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 17. Let me read to you what it says. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct and according to what their deeds deserve. Like a partridge that hatches eggs that did not lay are those who gain riches by unjust means. When their lives are half gone, the riches will desert them and in the end they'll provide, they'll prove to be fools. A glorious throne exalted from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Now, verse 13. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you 
will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Now, why would they potentially have thought about this? We got to go back again to chapter 7. We got to go back to what happened before this. I told you, the Feast of Tabernacles, what's happening? And in John chapter 7, once again, we went to the beginning, Jesus was giving one of his teachings. In one of his teachings, it was right at the end of the festival, he's telling them that he is the living water, the salvation and life. This was the message that would have ticked off the Pharisees. Can I read what he said? Just a brief little snippet. John 7, 37 and 8. On the last day, the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You gotta, we just have to get this. He has made a huge declaration, and the Pharisees in this moment are like, we've got to arrest Jesus. If you connect the story in Jeremiah to this moment, you would understand they would have known this scripture. I'm going to read it again. Those who turn away from you will be written in the what? Dust. Because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. The argument I want to make today because of their actions, because of their sin, because of forsaking that Jesus is here, the Messiah, Jesus is writing their names in the sand. Jesus is writing their names in the sand. And they, I believe, would have connected, because it's always on their mind. This is what they think about every day. They would have connected. Their names will be written in dust because they've forsaken the Lord, the living water. And all they can do is walk away one at a time. They can't throw the stone because of their sin against God in their life. And it's in this moment, Jesus turns to the woman. Where did everybody go? Where did everybody go that was condemning you? Where did people go? And she's like, they're all gone. He goes, okay, I won't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. And in real life, he's playing out, I think, what he told Nicodemus back in John chapter 3. I think you'll know this one too. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But it's verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the story of Jesus over and over and over again. This is the story of Jesus. Different words, different settings, different place, but same message. John 8 gives us the picture that I think we need of Jesus to understand his heart for people. And so that's the reason today we take communion. The reason we have communion today, why do we take communion? 
Well, we need to remember. Hear me. We need to remember. We need to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus. We need to remember that John 8, hear me, that John 8 is the story of our lives. We need to remember that we are actually the woman in this story. You hear me? This story is supposed to remind us. The connection of our lives to this story is we are this woman because we are people who go against the life that God has for us. Throughout Scripture, it says that we are people who commit adultery against God because we go with something else outside the covenant relationship that God has made with us. This story, one of my favorite places you see this story play out is in the book Hosea. And I got a story about this. So can I tell you a quick story? So Amber um, and I go to the movies sometimes. And there was a movie, I forget, it was a year or two ago, I can't remember the date now, but she's like, Scott, you want to go to a movie? And I'm like, yeah, I like movies, and I like hanging out with you. She goes, okay, we're going to go to a movie called Redeeming Love. Yeah, I wasn't pumped up about it, and I'll be honest, but like, I'm going to go. And I say to her, pre-movie, is there, this is important, pre-movie, I say to her, is there anything I need to know about this movie? No? Okay. Like, I'm just like, we're going to like a Nicholas Sparks movie or something. I don't know. I just, I'm going. No. I watched this movie, and this movie ticks me off. I'm not going to give you the whole thing, but basically this guy loves this woman. She keeps cheating on him. She prostitutes herself out, and he, she, he keeps taking her back. And I'm like, like, it's just frustrating. I didn't, frankly, very much enjoy it. And Amber and I, after the movie, were talking, and she's like, yeah, it's depicting the story of, like, Hosea. I go, What? You're telling me, your husband, who's a pastor, who loves to teach the Bible, didn't, you didn't think before the movie when I said, is there anything I need to know, that, oh, it's depicting Hosea, wouldn't be the piece of information I'd want to know? I said, Amber, I probably would have cried through it versus been annoyed through it. Like, this is a valuable piece of information, but this is what Scripture said all the way through, is you adulterous people, you take on prostitutes. You, this is the story of Israel, he says, you're always giving yourself away to something not me. And then we see it in the New Testament. But the response from Jesus to a woman who goes against is, I'm not here to condemn the world. I'm here to love the world. Now go and change your life. Go and sin no more. This is why we take communion. Because we are the woman, but we still have the same God that's in this story that no matter what we do, there's forgiveness waiting, and he takes us back, and he takes us back, and he takes us back, but he calls us to live a different life on the other side of our sin. And so we take communion because we're reminded we need a Savior. We need a God who loves us no matter what, but we also need to be called to more. 
We need to be called to more because this is what, I mean, the story is remember, but it's almost the last sentence that hits me the hardest. He's like, I don't condemn, condemn you, but you got to change how you live. It's not just to make God love you. That's not it, because I think it's because you don't need to live in this life. There's a better life for you, and you keep choosing the things that go against what I have for you. And out of love, I want you to have more. And so today we take communion, remembering that Jesus died on the cross. And so we're going to worship at the end, and you're going to be allowed to take this anytime you want. You can come up to the altars, whatever you please. But I want you to have a moment where you decide, is there anything that you need to ask forgiveness for? Is there anything you need to commit to say, Jesus, I will live a different life on the other side because of your forgiveness, because you forgive me just like this woman. And when you're ready to, Just take the juice and take this bread as a remembrance. If you've never given your life to Jesus, take that chance. If you've never given your life to Jesus, it's it's simple. Jesus, forgive me for what I've done. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I give my life to you. But Heavenly Father, right now, we're going to sing But more than our singing, we're going to present to you people who want to live the life you've called us to live. Hear our prayers. Hear our prayers, God. Give us your forgiveness and allow us to celebrate you today because the Messiah has come. We don't wait any longer. The Messiah has come. So God, as we take this communion, remind our hearts what you did for us. And God, inspire us to the more you have for us. We love you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.